Welcome to African American Conservatives, the soul of the conservative movement, your source for news and commentary from a cultural and right of center perspective. African American Conservatives. Welcome to African American Conservatives, the soul of the conservative movement. I'm your host, Marie Strotter, reminding you to go to ACONS dot substack dot com there you'll find our commentary our links to all of our social media platforms and links to this podcast uh, and we hope that you will subscribe follow all the usual suspects right there at acons.substack.com as you know we are fangirls and boys here at acons uh, there are a number of comic book creators that we love and that we follow. We brought you Eric July. We brought you Chuck Dixon, Mike Barron. Uh, last week was uh, Graham Nolan. So today we bring you Ethan Van Skyver. He is one of today's most influential and best-selling comic book creators. He spent much of his early career illustrating for DC Comics, where he helped create such characters as Atrocitus, Parallax, um, and Jessica Cruz as well as working on characters like Impulse and The Flash. He is now a YouTuber with over 145,000 subscribers to his channel, Comic Art uh, Comic Artist Pro Secrets. And he is the founder of All Caps Comics, which publishes his insanely popular superhero comic, Cyber Frog. Here is the trailer for his latest book, Cyber Frog 3, Red Extermination, which is available on Indiegogo. That's pretty cool. So Thanks. please help me uh, welcome Ethan Van Skyver to the show. Oh, thank welcome, you so Ethan. much. Oh, I feel welcome. <laughs> thank you for inviting me. Appreciate it. 
A recent shock to Ethan Van Skyver fans was logging into Twitter, X, whatever they're calling it this week, uh, and finding your account has been suspended. Some have speculated that this was the result of a coordinated mass reporting attack by those who wanted to hurt you, either you or Comicsgate, by claiming that you had threatened violence against them after you mocked them with a vulgar tweet. Uh, is this your impression as well? I, I guess so. I, I don't know. I mean, they, there have been coordinated uh, mass reporting uh, efforts to deplatform me for years now. Uh, and um, some of them have been successful, and uh, this one was. So um, it's, it's too bad. You know, I enjoyed using Twitter. Um, but after all, it's, it's not my uh, platform. It's not a public utility. It's a private company. So uh, I'm, gonna, I'm going to appeal and, and um, hope that, you know, hope that somebody changes their mind. But it, it's just the way it is. You know, it's, it's, we're, um, we're, we're in a culture war. Uh, people don't, like, it sounds silly to say that, but we, like, because uh, people are like, boy, that's a really dramatic thing to say, but it is true. There, uh, especially as we approach another election, um, voices like mine are, are, are going to be, there's going to be an attempt to silence them. Uh, and I, I hope they don't succeed. You know, I hope I'm, uh, I'm able to keep, you know, talking to fans and, and, and making comics and stuff like that, expressing my opinions. But it, it's going to be rough out there. It's interesting because, you know, you think that one of the foundational bedrocks of our country is free speech, right? The First Amendment. Uh, There's so much garbage that's out there um, that if you log on to uh, Twitter, X, whatever, um, you know, you get all of these uh, DMs from, uh, let's just say, questionable characters and bad actors. I mean, I can't tell you how much absolute, you know, craziness is, is there. Um, and scammy things and all that kind of stuff. I manage uh, quite a few Twitter accounts and Facebook accounts for people. And all of the porn and all of this other stuff just seems to be, uh, you know, proliferated. And yet, if you say something about our election process, if you say anything about a personal conviction that you hold, if it doesn't fit the narrative, then there's a problem. And that, that seems problematic to me that the two can coexist. Yeah, I certainly hope, uh, and I, I do believe that um, there will be a time in the future when we look back on what's going on today and uh, we're horrified uh, that it could have happened here yeah. in our country, uh, that speech could be effectively canceled, silenced in order to allow um, what many believe, and, and I also uh, believe our, our government uh, misdeeds, uh, criticizing, speculating, discussing, uh, publicly um, expressing, uh, you know, that you uh, you disagree, you're worried, uh, you don't believe, could result in uh, you being silenced. Uh, and and these platforms are important. I mean, people, uh, you need to be able to get your voice out there. Uh, it allows regular Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. They allow um, regular people just to amplify their voices. And uh, if you feel discontented about something. Uh, you can do it in a productive uh, way um, rather than uh, maybe a violent way, which is the way things used to happen. Uh, you know, uh, people would take to the streets, uh, uh, you know, and um, uh, there would be uh, more dangerous. I, I, think it's, I think it's better just to be able to speak your mind. Um, but for some reason, when it comes to certain things uh, like the election and COVID, 
Uh, we've seen that uh, the government just does not want you to be able to speak your mind. It's it's really it's a weird. We live in a weird weird time. I, I wake up and think what what happened to America all the time. Not about what happened to me. Me being deplatformed from Twitter. Listen, uh, you know I get spicy on Twitter. Uh, if I disobeyed their rules, I don't care. I'm not going. I'm a victim here. No no no. I you know I'm uh, I, I'm probably fairly deplatformed. I probably did break the rules. And that's okay. I'd like to come back. I hope I get, you know, a second chance. But uh, I'm not talking about me in this situation. I'm just saying, uh, if somebody wanted to speak out and say that, uh, you know, the the election, there were problems with it, or even just to come out and say, I believe it was rigged, and I, I don't think it was fair. We used to be able to say things like that, didn't we? Remember 2000? Isn't that crazy? <laughs> You know, it's so funny because I manage, as I said, you know, a number of, of uh, social media accounts for some pretty big influencers. And we logged in the other day to one really big account and uh, videos were removed, just flat out removed uh, because there was something that Big Brother didn't like. And, you know, DK and I have been talking a lot about, you know, how we were in high school. And yes, he is 11 months younger than I am. So, yes, it was in high school. I'm looking right at him off camera. Um and, you know, we were reading 1984, we were reading uh, Brave New World. And, you know, I couldn't, I didn't like either book because I thought, ah, oh, this is just so crazy and unbelievable and weird, you know, and look where we are today. I mean, it is freaky how prescient <laughs> both books were. And to think that Big Brother would silence you just for saying, like you said, you're just your opinion. I yeah. mean, I'm not saying I'm an expert. I'm not saying, you know, it exactly was this, that, or, but I can say, you know, it feels like there were a lot of irregularities. It feels like it was kind of weird. It seems like, you know, I'm looking at this news clip on Newsmax or whatever, Fox, and, you know, I'm seeing people who want to be able to watch our process have big uh, cardboard so that they can't what? watch what's going on in the room. It was so very strange. I think that and... that's weird. I can say that that's weird in my own opinion. So, yeah, it's 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 bizarre. Elections they, they... shouldn't make people they, they shouldn't they shouldn't cause this many questions. They, yeah. they really just shouldn't. I mean, again, go back to 2000 and hanging chads. Yes. Remember that? That was yes. enough to uh, that was enough to warrant half of the country speculating that they're uh, you know that they had been disenfranchised uh, for weeks the, on end. Yeah, it, it didn't end. Yeah, uh, and that was a very very small silly um, problem that was very transparent and it was taken all the way to the courts and all this stuff. Uh, this is this is much weirder. Just countless irregularities and changes to the system uh, under the uh, uh, you know the rubric of uh, COVID and and uh, you know. Uh, mail-in ballots that I mean, it yeah. wasn't election day. It wasn't election week. It was like two months, uh, three yeah. months of election. Very, very weird. So um, anyway, yeah, all of this stuff just means that I, I really do believe people should be allowed to um, uh, to wonder and to speculate and to dissent. Uh, and uh, also, I, I really don't think there I don't think we need to be having elections where there are this many things to uh, to worry and wonder about. That's, That's right. No, you're right. You know, it's 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 weird because, you know, people were pretty excited uh, by Elon Musk's purchase of the platform because they thought he was such a big uh, advocate of free speech. So the fact that you were deplatformed um, and I think there have been a couple other people that have been deplatformed recently where I was kind of like, huh? Um, and Mark Levin uh, said that Elon Musk was a great hero at the time, uh, yet 
many people are, are pointing to your suspension and other people's suspensions. Uh, what do you think about that? I mean, do you think that he really is a big free speech guy or is yeah, it this person who is his uh, CEO now who um, has some background uh, where she is kind of a globalist? I think some people have said. <laughs> I don't know how this always happens where uh, the people always say, unless an institution is expressly right wing, it will become left wing. Uh, and it'll just evolve that way or devolve that way. Uh, and I don't think um, Elon Musk is right wing at all, but I do think he's anti woke. Uh, however, he appointed somebody to take over. He can't handle Twitter and running his company. I think at the same time, when he first got it, it was his new toy and he was a lot of fun. I mean, he was unbanning everybody. Uh, he unbanned, uh, unsuspended President Trump's account, and anybody who wanted to, uh, you know, um, get a second chance, he he gave them one. And I, I really like Elon Musk, and I like the things that he does. Uh, ultimately, though, two things are in play here. One, he appointed Linda Vaccarino, I think her name is, uh, from the WEF to take over his job, and it's she's just as bad as the the platform at its worst. Um, she said so. She said, I'm not accountable. I think she said something like that to Elon Musk. I can do whatever I want to do. Uh, <laughs> and the other thing is, you know, it's like, sure, you know, there's a lawful and awful speech and, you know, making a, a like, in other words, we're still going to police people's speech on this platform, which I think is strange. And at the same time, you've got Elon Musk, who's entirely business minded. Uh, who's making decisions essentially to turn Twitter into uh, a platform where advertisers uh, will be able to spend money in order for him to recoup the money that he spent on Twitter and make it a profitable enterprise. He's got to make some changes that, well, are going to make some people uncomfortable. I think removing the block uh, button, I got to think about that a little bit. My initial response to him yeah. saying no more blocking was negative. Um, I was just like, boy, I, I don't want to like if I'm if I'm using Twitter uh, to advertise something, if I'm saying go over here and back Cyberfrog, Dark Harvest, and here's the link. Uh, and I put it there and I've got a million trolls who hate me who are going to now yeah. post lies underneath that. Um, well, that's going to hurt my business. I want to block those people. I want to keep actual critics, but I want to block people who are just nasty, you know, uh, who are just there for the sole purpose of causing harm. They need to be blocked from my business Twitter. Uh, and um, But at the same time, uh, what Elon is saying is uh, the block button should be removed, mute, uh, mute could be used if we truly want free speech. <laughs> we, if we truly want free speech, people should be allowed to, okay, I hear you. I mean, that's, that's something else. That's a very principled stand. On top of that, uh, he needs to know that he needs to be able to tell advertisers that they're not going to be blocked out from eyes seeing their ads if Twitter is going to be a platform that relies on advertising uh, in the present and in the near future. So uh, he's a business guy. He, he's a you know he's a capitalist and he's trying to make Twitter uh, economically viable. Uh, it's going to hurt. It's going to be painful for a lot of people. I, I don't know. I don't know. I see. And that's the other thing. Like, I don't know if I want to be on Twitter where, um, you know, um, James Woods even said, he's like, you're yeah. going to make us targets of just misery all the time, not just right wingers, but left wingers too. Uh, political um, animals are basically going to come out of the woods and just make this a really unpleasant uh, thing to do. And Elon just told James Woods then delete your account, which I think people took yes. pretty hard. 
Yes, I love his account. I can't imagine Twitter without James Wood. You know, he's so great. I love. He James really Woods. is. He really is. Now you're an outspoken Trump supporter as well. Uh, oh, yeah. You be in a lot of your live streams with the musical tribute to former President Trump, and I served on Black Voices for Trump, so I have to say, but, oh, wonderful. You know, I understand that. Um, you uh, have the numerous indictments dampened your enthusiasm for him at all, um, or perhaps caused you to look at someone like Ron DeSantis or Tim Scott or Vivek uh, Ramaswamy. I like Ron DeSantis, but no, Trump is our guy, and I, I, I'm not paying attention to anything that's happening with the indictments. I, I know they're all politically motivated, oh, and yeah. uh, you know it is uh, one of the most uh, unnerving, another just unnerving aspect of where we are right now, uh, where uh, a your speech is is silenced if you're questioning the government demanding that you take vaccines and all these things and questioning very strange election bumps in the middle of the night. Uh, all of these things are, you're not allowed to talk about those things. Um, but also we've got, for the first time in our history, we have a president trying to imprison uh, his political opponent. I, I don't, I mean, I can't, I don't even know what's going on. It doesn't feel like my that country. doesn't feel America, yeah, no. You don't do that. You, you try to beat him at the ballot box is what you try to do. Uh, you know, trying to stop him from running is really strange. Um, my comic book is called Cyber Frog. Okay. Frog stands for fully rely on God. Uh, I uh, plan on doing that. I, I don't, I'm not paying attention because it's not in my control. I'm not going to let it dampen my spirits. I'm not going to be discouraged by it. I'm aware that it's happening and I'm aware of uh, the evil that is behind it. But I there's nothing that I can really do except um, stand by this president, uh, vote him, try to vote him back into office, and believe that the outcome is what God is uh, intending to happen. So, uh, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not going to pay attention. I'm not going to let it uh, dampen my spirits. I don't believe uh, that they'll be able to stop him from running. And then Oh boy! I mean, uh, we'll just do whatever we can. We gotta, we gotta get out the vote this time. The rules have changed. Uh, Republicans need to adapt uh, to the way that you know the left has altered the the rules, and we can do it. I, I believe there are more of us than them. Uh, so Absolutely. I, I mean, look at what's going on with Target. What's going on with Anheuser uh, with Bud Light? Uh, <laughs> that's going on with you know all of these things. And, and so it's kind of crazy when you think that, you know, we've been silent, but I don't think we're going to be silent much longer when we see, as you said, you know, where we can't talk about these things after COVID being, uh, having churches shut down, uh, all of that kind of stuff. I don't, I don't think Americans are going to stand for that. And so it, it just seems to me that all of the things that are happening to President Trump are just emboldening those who support him. Um, and so, I think it's going to backfire, Ethan. I hope so. I really hope so. I, I have to believe that, uh, you know, this is the, the America in her third act. You know what yes. I mean? I, I've got to yes. believe that we're going to triumph and, and good will defeat evil. And listen, I, I'm sorry. Uh, there's there's no other way to look at this. There's no other way to look at the behavior of the left right now of this uh, administration other than evil. There's just no way. There, there's no benevolence there at all. Uh, there is no nobility, there's no liberalism. And it, it's funny, you know, it's, at this point, conservatives have become 
um, liberal in a lot of ways, where we're just like, no, I will, uh, I believe in free speech. I, I will defend your, I might disagree with you, but I will defend to the death your right to say that. Uh, we've become that way, uh, whereas uh, the, the left seems to have become censorious, uh, cruel, um, and, um, and racist, uh, yes. hyper-focused on skin color and identity and things that um, advantaging some and disadvantaging others based on skin color. Listen, I, I don't know what's going on. It's it, everything is upside down right now. Yeah. Now, you're not just known for your political views, uh, but also for your conservatism, your outspokenness, as you've mentioned to uh, the uh, spicy tweets. <laughs> um, and so uh, you have engaged in a few online feuds. DK might know a little something about that. He's been banned. Uh, a lot. I've never had my account banned. I've never been suspended. I don't know this Twitter jail or Facebook jail of which you people speak. So, but he he's regularly in there. I, I think he's doing a life sentence right now. But who would be your enemy? <laughs> See, the thing is, we, me and DK, probably have a lot of enemies, and nobody's your enemy. It's, you know. Well, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'd say that. I tell you, when I was on Black Voices for Trump, it sure felt that way. <laughs> but. Um, and, you know, weird. the other thing I should say is not only was I on Black Voices for Trump, but I hail from California. I don't live there anymore. I, I got out. Uh, but uh, I hail from California. So, you know, that's that that kind of stuff isn't welcome there. Don't don't bring that kind of craziness <laughs> to California, you know, not with Gavin, Gavin Newsom around. So yeah, I was persona non grata. But anyway, uh, so but now you have had some feuds with uh, comic book pros like Heather Antis and Mark uh, Brooks, the crew uh, over at Geeks and Gamers, or the entire nation of Chile. <laughs> Are these just feuds uh, something that you seek out, or do they just happen to be uh, a byproduct of your, your strong views and your strong personality? Well, I, I, I you know, I express myself, and I, I, I have um, beliefs, and I, I speak them, and it ruffles a lot of feathers, and I think it you know, in terms of uh, upsetting the, the country of Chile, <laughs> I was very upset at Pedro Pascal, uh, who I didn't realize was a hero of anybody. Uh, but Pedro Pascal, I felt, was an empowered actor who should have stood by Gina Carano as she was being bullied and canceled and eventually fired. Not, not just fired, but fired in, in disgrace, imposed exile by Disney. And I really, um, again, that just seemed evil to me. That that whole situation seemed evil. Yeah. She didn't say anything. She didn't say anything that most of the country doesn't believe, agree with. Uh, she didn't say anything that wasn't uh, kind, um, just. She didn't say anything that wasn't fair. And her um, comments uh, about um, the political hatred that is being fomented in this country by our government uh, echoed the Holocaust Museum's own statements about what happened to the Jews during World War II, during the Holocaust. Just an exact quote for quote, uh, word for word, basically a quote uh, of what they said. And, and they called that abhorrent. And I listen, again, like I said earlier, Twitter wanting to uh, take away my Twitter account, it's a private business. They're free to do it. I'm free to complain about it or not. Uh, Disney deciding they don't want to work with Gina Carano simply because she doesn't agree with the idea that, uh, you know, the government should be fomenting hatred in the United okay. States of America, neighbor against neighbor over political views to the point of violence occurring. Gina Carano doesn't want that to happen. So if Disney doesn't want to work with her because 
She has uh, the view that violence, political violence, is wrong, uh, avoidable, and so should be, uh, should certainly um, uh, be criticized. Uh, Disney can fire her. I mean, they're allowed to do that. But what they did wrong was on the way out, they called her views abhorrent. They said she is being fired. She will not work here anymore because of her abhorrent tweets. Uh, that to me is the same as Hillary Clinton and her basket of deplorables. Yes, exactly. Uh, 50% of the country. You can't do that. And by the way, when you do that and you, Disney, that one of the biggest corporations, entertainment corporations in the world, calls an actress abhorrent, where is she going to work? You've destroyed her life. Just fire her quietly if you want to. They have the right to do that. And I would be fine. I would still be probably purchasing Star Wars product and criticizing it and having a good time. But. Um, on principle, after they did that, uh, I criticized people who continued to purchase Disney product while complaining about what happened. At some point, you've got to recognize that the company is evil and stop giving them your money. That ruffled some feathers the wrong way. I also criticized Pedro Pascal for not standing behind his co-worker, uh, his fellow artist, his fellow actor, uh, even though he had, I would have been so proud of him if he said, I completely disagree with her. I'm a leftist. I'm a liberal. I'm going to be voting for Biden again. But stop it. This is evil. What's happening to her? The bullying, the mob tactics, the cancel culture is wrong. And I won't have my fans doing it. I won't support them. If he had said that, I would have been a big fan of uh, Pedro Pascal. But he didn't. He also helped gang up on her. And he watched as she was, her life was destroyed for the things that she was saying. Uh, I called him a coward and a fat one, too. Uh, and for that, <laughs> for that, the entire nation of Chile uh, decided that I was going to be their target. And they, they quickly, they don't understand. Like, you know, when you say we did this already, the last target that we attacked was Adam Levine from Maroon 5. That's a very handsome guy. That was People Magazine's world's most sexiest man of, I don't know when, 2006 or something like that. Now you choose me. I guess I'm the sex, uh, second most uh, handsome, sexiest man, according to uh, somebody. I don't know. But you, you, <laughs> the entire country versus me, this is great. They wrote articles. I was on CNN uh, Chile. There's a CNN in Chile. Uh, all about how I had called Pedro Pascal a coward and they should all attack me and stuff. Uh, they said it was going to happen forever, but I tamped it down. I, they, it, it ended in two days. I had fun with them. and it, they, they realized I wasn't a very good target. <laughs> So I, I do get into squabbles like that, but they're all over principle. Uh, my That's issues right. with my fellow comic book professionals from the mainstream is that they're bullies. They're SJWs uh, who call Republicans and conservatives and Christians Nazis. Uh, and they work in private to make sure, again, uh, that those people will be disinvited to conventions. I, I've had to fight to get some of my peers uh, undisinvited to conventions, reinvited. Uh, I've had to, uh, to deal with quite a bit of that myself where people are afraid to associate with me because they know these bullies. They want to. They go, I like what you're doing. I want to join Comicsgate or I want to crowdfund with you. I want to be on your show. But I can't because if I do, uh, these people, led by Heather Antos and Mark Brooks, uh, they're going to see to it that I get no end of grief. I, I'm sorry. I, I don't know. Somebody's got to criticize those people, and I don't have anything to lose. I might as well do that, except for my Twitter account. Other than that. <laughs> you know, it's crazy 
about that is that if it's if the pendulum swings one way, it can certainly swing the other way. So I that's the, that that's way. the the consequence that you have to look at. Because what if President Trump were in office right now and he were going he was going after Joe Biden and raiding his house, weaponizing the I'm sorry, did I use that word? Did I say the the quiet part out loud? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, weaponizing a a department in the federal government to go after a political opponent. Um, the the whole dichotomy with the, the Trump kids versus Hunter, um, you know that that just is is weird to me. And so, what if it were happening that way? You know that these people. I mean, Mark Ruffalo would be the first one if if Mark Hamill didn't beat him to Twitter to, to express his dissatisfaction. So you know what yeah. I'm saying? It's just kind of crazy to me that that we live in that kind of a society, but. Well, I mean, again, they don't think that far ahead. And then yeah. before you know it, it's 2016 and they're curled up fetal position on the floor because yeah. they're terrified because they know that like once somebody else has power, they could possibly behave the way that they've been behaving. Uh, and um, that's that's it. See, they just make things worse for the country. I wish they would just settle down and behave themselves and just be be good Americans. It's it's your turn. If it, if your president is in office, you control uh, Congress. It's it's your turn. You can do whatever you want to do. You want to spend uh, trillions of dollars making uh, electric electric vehicles or whatever it is and pretending the the polar ice caps are melting. You're allowed to do that. That's it's your turn. But when it's our turn. And by the way, you know, it's like this is the way I believe the country kind of steps forward. It, it corrects itself left and right left foot right foot as we that's the direction forward that's actual progress not just veering left you know off a cliff um respect that respect the the will of the people uh and stop trying to subvert it and then stop trying to destroy your political opponents they're changing the rules and they're making it so that really we have no choice we don't have a choice i mean when when trump or whoever else becomes president again whenever that happens we have to push back hard. We have no choice. It's in our, we have right. to survive. I mean, uh, our, our belief system has to prevail and survive because we're right. You know, it's just the way it is. Um, and they've given us no alternative. Uh, it's, uh, it's awful. It really is awful. It means, uh, it, it doesn't mean good things. It doesn't portend good things for this country. I want to channel my inner Jen Psaki and circle back to something that you said, you mentioned comics gate. Um, now, uh, you once said that Comicsgate started when Marvel Comics opened the door to left-wing activists. What is Comicgate, Comicsgate for those who may not know? And what was the moment when you saw the need for it? Well, uh, Comicsgate is, is um, a resistance. It's a group of uh, fans, customers, and creators uh, who have noticed uh, the obvious at this point, not just in comics, but everywhere, uh, in every entertainment hobby, uh, every industry, uh, the left uh, has sent activists uh, who are very carefully trained to take over and subvert the aims of whatever company, whatever <laughs> hobby uh, it is, and bend them towards social justice. And they do this as a way to control, take power, take the levers of power, uh, and so that they can use your company, not to make money, not to create anything that anyone wants, but to create propaganda for the left. Uh, this happened in comics. I was there. I was working at DC Comics when it did happen. And I started to notice uh, that we were 
super concerned all of a sudden uh, with uh, issues of identity, uh, with the idea that more women should be allowed to write comics uh, and draw comics, uh, and that there are too many white males uh, in the industry, and all the characters seem to be white males and white females, and there was too much heterosexuality, and there needed to be more started to hear the word diversity. And I started to see some very strange people show up on the scene. Uh, they were friends of they were friends of some left-wing creators. There were big left-wing creators who allowed their friends in entry entryism into the comic book industry and they immediately started to make trouble. Um, they started to say comic books are sexist, comic books are racist, comic books are homophobic and if you hire us, we'll change all of that. Uh, and I saw it all happen. I saw it all go down. Uh, I was uh, one of a few conservatives who were, I'm a loudmouth conservative. I don't care. I feel like I should be able to answer, you know, the left in the comic book industry, the same, same degree that I have to hear them. They should hear me too. And they should hear my, my peers. Uh, they targeted me immediately, uh, and decided that I needed to go. I needed to go. Uh, and, uh, from the very, uh, they, they started to call me a Nazi. They said I was a white supremacist. They said all these things that were- We're white supremacists too, or the black, <laughs> the white, the black voice of white supremacy. So yeah, you're in good They, they use that because it's, it's impossible. <laughs> you go, well, what is a white supremacist, a supremacist define that for me. And they say, white supremacy is on a spectrum. Okay. Like it goes from all the way from like the KKK over here to just, you know, naturally when you create a comic book character ethan like he might just be white that's white supremacy and i'm like Shh, i don't want to be on that side of the spectrum but i don't even think i'm on this side of the spectrum of that uh, i think that's really just strange and and the word itself is so ugly and conjures up so many negative feelings the phrase white supremacy uh that's going to uh obviously that's going to undo my career uh, and anyone's career who is accused of such a thing well, so. it's a cudgel that people use, I think, to control your ideas and your thoughts, because nobody wants to be branded a racist. Nobody wants to be branded a white supremacist. So if I call you that, you're going to back down. And so you're going to stop saying what you've been saying. Yeah. If you're an average person, now you and I seem to have pretty strong opinionated uh, beliefs that, you know. Why do we do this? Why don't yeah. we back down? Why do? Why are we asking for this grief? But we are, I, you know, listen, the, the other reason to do it, I believe, is just to obtain power. Because I do remember my boss, Dan DiDio, in 2010, uh, getting up at a convention, a big convention, WonderCon, uh, and giving his speech about, here's the future, here are all our books that are going to be coming out from DC Comics, everybody. Uh, and these activists stood up and said, why aren't you hiring women? And he's like, we have women working here. You have, it's like 2% women. Uh, you need to be hiring more women. And, and Dan was like, well, we hire whoever's best for the job. Whoever's best for the job are women. And all oh, the crowd, you know, just, and, and Dan was basically forced to hire. Yes. Dan was basically forced to hire all of these uh, uh, women who were feminists, who were activists, who weren't qualified, didn't love comics, or if they did love comics, they didn't love the comics that DC Comics makes, which are superhero adventure, adventure comics, mostly masculine power fantasies, you know, that's what sells. They didn't want to do that. They wanted to um, undo all of that and subvert all of that. Uh, 
they wanted power. Uh, they wanted to control the media within comics so that they could establish, you know, uh, domination. They, they could decide who gets promoted, who doesn't, who gets, who's a hero, who's a villain. Uh, all of this led to Comicsgate. Um, I, people, fans started to notice some retailers. The problem with comics in the mainstream is that the companies make them and they sell to a retailer, which is a middleman, somebody who owns a store. Uh, and then the retailer has to sell those comic books to you, the customer. So the retailer really has no power and the customer also really doesn't have any power either. They have to get whatever this product is and put it in their stores. Um, and so retailers did, did try though, they, they went to a, a retailer summit with Marvel comics and said, look, you know, right now is the greatest time in comic book history at the movies. You've got the Avengers, you've got Captain America, you've got the Hulk, you know, you've got all the Thor, you know, you've got all these great characters. Um, and we've got people coming in who have seen the movies coming into our stores and saying, where can I get comic books like this? And it's like, Captain America is now a Nazi. Uh, you know, <laughs> Thor is now. Who would have ever thought, right? He always was. Who would ever have thought? What an ugly statement to make yes. about Captain America. He was always yes. a Hydra agent. What a horrible thing. The, Thor is a woman. Uh, the Incredible Hulk is a little yeah. Asian kid who thinks being the Hulk is yeah. awesome. Uh, you know, basically everything that we see on the movie screen doesn't exist in the comics right now. And we don't like it. It's got to stop. What's going on? And I swear to you, Marvel's marketing executive who was there to talk to the retailers looked at him and said, we hear you. You don't like women. Well, we do. Wow. And we're going to continue <laughs> to make this product. And, you know, you're it's you know, you can either like it or lump it, essentially. And that's where Comicsgate really started. Uh, we started to see more activists who were putting messages like they had Mockingbird, a Mockingbird comic. Mockingbird is a a super fun female character who has uh, bow staffs and fights and does karate and stuff like that. Uh, some somebody some feminist took over her book and she did this cover where she's drinking a lemonade in front of the ocean and her shirt says "Ask me about my feminist agenda," and it's just like that's now the only thing. What else was this cover except to announce that there was a feminist agenda now on behalf of, you know, that's being applied to Mockingbird, who's never been a feminist before, uh, on behalf of the, the writer of the comic and the artist of the comic. Uh, another Italian artist came in and drew a really sexy drawing of uh, Spider-Woman. Uh, he was forced to retract the drawing. Uh, the cover was taken down because it was deemed... Uh, to be sexualizing women, uh, which is weird because <laughs> which is so what, funny. That's what kind of comics kind of do. I mean, they're for boys. You know, it's like women oh, yeah. need to be look. They need to be beautiful in the comics, um, and a bunch of other things like this happened. People were losing their jobs. They were losing their positions because SJWs would identify them as going against the narrative. Uh, this one guy, Frank Cho, uh, got a job drawing Wonder Woman variant covers. And his writer said, you're making Wonder Woman too sexy. You had to see these covers. They were not sexy. It was Wonder Woman bullets and bracelets up like this. And her skirt was up a little bit in the back. So you could see that she was wearing uh, panties underneath her skirt. You could see a little bit of her panties from the side. Too sexy, fire this guy. And they did. They fired him from the job that he wanted. He just wanted to draw Wonder Woman, this guy. So that's Comicsgate. <laughs>
explain this to me because here here here's what makes me crazy now i've always kind of talked a little bit about that aspect you know the way that some of them are some women are drawn because you know i love oracle the fact that you know she's she's using her brain mm -hmm. i mean yes she was formerly you know, Batgirl and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, she's had her heyday, but the fact that she is able to do all the things that she does um, in a wheelchair, because, you know, the brain is, is, is her sexy organ. But um, it, it, here's, what's really interesting about that whole narrative that you just said is, you know, you're sexualizing these women and you're showing too much and da, 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 da. And yet what we are seeing now, you're a parent, I'm a parent, you know, you're seeing all of this propaganda in books now all of this obscene material that's going into our kids books books for little children i mean that are almost like a how-to manual uh, uh, just perversion um and so why somebody would say oh well that's too sexy you can't do that and then on the other hand give you an illustrated how-to manual for uh you know gay <laughs> sex is just crazy to me so i mean it's like both can't coexist and yet they do and that just doesn't, yeah. that doesn't compute. I'm sorry. Well, I remember Oracle because uh, that was one of the first times that I, I heard about representation when I was working at DC. I said, what? so Barbara Gordon, who was Batgirl, was shot in the spine by the Joker. Okay. Yes, that happened. Now she's in a wheelchair. I was like, her friends have magic powers. Like her friends could literally fix her spine. Why? Like... Or we have some of the most supernaturally gifted doctors. And you know what I mean? There is literally no reason for Barbara Gordon to remain with a broken spine in a wheelchair. It just wouldn't happen in this world. Like Zatanna. Zatanna would yeah. say, fix your spine backwards. And her yes. spine would be instantly fixed. So why? Uh, and um, DC Comics said to me, uh, an editor over there said, well, we have a lot of readers who are in wheelchairs. And she represents them. And I went, wow, that's a weird thing to, I get it. I understand that I think, but like, it doesn't make sense from a story perspective. This seems like it is uh, something that's being done only to pander to a certain demographic of readers without it making sense story-wise. And they were just like, well, again, you know, we want them to know that we care about them, et cetera, et cetera. And I thought about it a little bit more and I thought, if I were in a wheelchair, am I going to want to read about superheroes that are also in wheelchairs, or am I going to be want to? Am I going to want to read about Spider-Man swinging around in the sky? Do I want to read about people who share my disabilities, uh, or as somebody who is trying to escape the world into fantasy, uh, am I going to want to read about Superman who has no disabilities and just can do whatever he wants and? I can escape and pretend that I'm Superman for a little while uh, or I'm Superman's friend or any of these things. Isn't that what it's all about? And I, I, I asked questions like this and I got reamed out by a woman who worked at DC Comics. Uh, and I, I said, uh, yeah, it wasn't until a little later that I realized, I, I found out why that was. I didn't understand what representation was and why it was a thing because it was so strange to my way of thinking. Now, I don't need Wolverine to be like me. I'm not going <laughs> to do anything that Wolverine does. I was told to make it so that Wolverine, when I worked on X-Men, Wolverine doesn't smoke anymore because 
What if the kids start smoking because they're like, I said, this is just, that's not what, Wolverine kills people with knives. Like, are you worried about that? Are you like, what? And that's the hill you want to die on? Yeah. yeah, It's like fantasy. Like, let let people imagine. Like, smoking is an awful thing that nobody should do. We got it. But it looks cool when certain bad guys do it. When tough guys smoke, it looks cool. So go ahead and put it in comics and movies and all these things and, and just leave it alone. Let people uh, trust that people have brains and autonomy and make choices, good choices for themselves. Um, but what I what I found out uh, with a little bit of research, stumbled across this uh, article one time uh, about Lego, the Lego company. Uh, Lego company was wondering why little girls were not buying their toys. Yeah. And they were just like, there's got to be some market research we can do into studying the way little boys and little girls play that we can adapt Lego to, to be more appealing to little girls. Uh, and they spent a lot of money. They got 2,500 boys, 2,500 girls monitored by their parents. Uh, and they gave them tons of Legos to play with and observed their play and noticed some amazing things uh, that, I, that I think... Uh, kind of explain the dichotomy, no, not dichotomy, the dissonance that's happening here. Uh, and the thing about it is, is that when Lego, when little boys play with toys, they notice this, a little boy would pick up, <clears throat> say a Batman figurine uh, in a Lego toy, and suddenly the little boy would become Batman. You know, like, look out Joker, I'm Batman, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> uh, and, and that's the whole thing. Little boys uh, and males uh, are able to, um, uh, to sort of project a character onto themselves or escape into a character, escape into a world. Uh, their own ego, their own presence doesn't really matter. They could be in a wheelchair. They, it, it's not that Batman needs to be in a wheelchair. They, they want to be Batman. Little girls, on the other hand, no matter what character they pick up, <laughs> that character becomes them. They project themselves onto, onto the character. So they got Batman and suddenly Batman's hosting tea parties with the Joker or whatever, uh, being sassy and saying silly little girl things because that's the way girls play. And that's why Barbie is such a successful toy because Barbie doesn't have a personality. Barbie isn't a character. She's a blank slate. She's a beautiful doll for a little girl to project herself onto and her own aspirations. Barbie isn't a character that everybody knows that if you're going to play with her, you've got to treat, you know, puppet her a certain way like He-Man is or the Transformers. They all have distinctive personalities uh, because they are uh, they're male properties. So when you, when you take this phenomenon, and I don't think the way men and women play, there are certainly some exceptions. There are some girls, there are some women who uh, are able to sort of uh, imagine, play, create from a masculine perspective and vice versa. Certainly in the comic book industry, a ton of super feminine guys. Uh, who need to see themselves represented. They need to tell their own stories through characters like Batman and their own feelings and things. I've seen that happen. There was one guy who's like made Batman uh, like uh, <laughs> he made him kind of a simp for Catwoman uh, because he wanted to express his love for his wife through these two characters. That's extremely feminine. That is, you are not Batman. Batman is not you. Anyway, once you understand that, the difference between men and women and the way they fantasize and imagine you understand why this trouble is happening in comics. You've got women coming over and saying, none of these characters look like me. I do not relate to any of these characters and therefore everything needs to change. They don't represent my views, my values. They don't look like me. 
uh, and in fact, I'm threatened by the fact that they don't do any of those things. And meanwhile, men are just like, I'm sorry, they, they needed to do that. There needed to be representation. Barbara Gordon needs to be in a wheelchair because you're in a wheelchair and you need to, <laughs> she needs to be like you in order for you to relate to her in some way. That's interesting. So a lot of men just sort of made way for these, for these feminine ideas and just said, we didn't know we were doing anything wrong, ladies. Come on in here. Now, the problem is, now that you've got women writing themselves into these, which is what happens, writing themselves into these masculine archetypes, you're now feeding that to little boys and men who are trying to read these comics. And suddenly, it's garbage because I, it's like, wait a second, why is Thor acting like a sassy woman? Uh, why is, you know, like... Like this doesn't like this, this, uh, I don't want this. I don't want to pretend to be this. Like this isn't, I don't like this fantasy. This doesn't feel right to me. And that's the, at the heart of why comics, uh, are having a problem right now. And I think it's happening all over the place. I think it's happening in Hollywood and all kinds of storytelling. And you can see like, you know, first of all, like women are certainly allowed to read comics. We want them to read comics if that's what they want to do. But we already know the kind of storytelling that, that women prefer. And I'm speaking broadly, no pun intended. I, I'm speaking just sort of, you know, not everybody, but from a very um, biological sense, you know, what, what, what has been very successful? What are some of the properties that have been very successful with women? Twilight, Fifty Shades of Grey, you know, uh, among them. And what do these have in common? Harry Potter? What do these characters have in common? The lead character is largely a cipher, a blank slate, uh, somebody who doesn't have uh, overt, like uh, you can't really describe any, Ray from Star Wars, the new stars, just a person for you to project yourself onto. Who is Harry Potter? I don't know, but he's the most special guy in the world. He's amazing. He's just awesome. And everything is about him all the time. And he, his destiny is the future. His, uh, who is the, the woman, Fifty Shades of Grey? I don't know. I know who the guy is. The guy has a very, you know, because he's the he's the fantasy object. The woman, it's from her perspective, that's supposed to be you. You're supposed to read yourself into that. Twilight, Bella. Who is Bella? Uh, nobody, but everyone loves her. Everyone thinks she's great. Everyone's obsessed with her. She doesn't have much of a personality. You watch these Hallmark uh, movies that are aimed at women, you'll notice that the men uh, are all, they have distinctive personalities, but the women who you're supposed to represent are very rarely more pretty than you. They're not going to threaten you. They're just goofy, kind of funny, whoops, a little clumsy. They're for you to project yourself onto as a woman uh, so that you can enjoy the fantasy, romance novels all the same way. You know, there's no version of Han Solo <laughs> as a woman, you know what I mean? Like a, a profoundly yeah. flawed, cynical, you know, person as a leading character in any of these uh, properties that are aimed at women. So there See, are biological so <laughs> differences. <laughs> that's so funny because I've never watched Twilight. I've never watched any of the Harry Potter stuff. I've never watched any of those things. And I told you that, you know, we're fanboys and fangirls. We actually had that discussion about Barbara Gordon. Like, why didn't they fix her? And we have like a, a, a chat thread where we talk about that stuff. And we had that conversation. So it was, I'll have to go back and revisit why I think, I can't remember what we said because it's a while back. But I want to ask you a little bit about Cyberfrog. So why is this five foot six uh, fried chicken? 
eating cybernetic frog, uh, one of the hottest properties in comics today. And how did you conceive of him? Oh, I made Cyber Frog up when I was 19 years old and <laughs> in love with comic books and wanting to make comic books my career. Uh, and I, I needed to learn how to draw comic books, so I just created something that was kind of like every comic book that I was reading. I love the Turtles. Uh, I love Spider-Man. I love Spawn. Uh, all of the image books that were coming out. So I kind of combined them into this one character so that I could start drawing pages and telling stories about without using a mainstream character. Maybe I'd get these pages published one day. And that, that was Cyberfrog. Uh, and I created a, a whole storyline for him, and it was um, it got picked up by two different publishers. Uh, the uh, you know it, it, at one point he nearly had a toy line, uh, and it just didn't work out. The '90s kind of collapsed a little bit. It took Cyberfrog with him, uh, and I went to go work for DC and Marvel Comics for 20 years. Um, and during that time period the SJWs. I called them the SJWs. A lot of people did. Yes. Social Justice Warriors yes. came in and, you know, around 2010 began to ruin yes. the comic book industry. Uh, by 2017, uh, they had targeted me after Trump was elected in 2018. They'd effectively made me uh, obsolete in comics. They disinvited me. Dis they basically just made it so that I could not get work. Anybody who hired me in the mainstream would be surrounded and harassed uh, by a buzzing hive uh, of uh, soy boys and lunatics and activists and feminists uh, who were saying, don't you know you're working with a white supremacist and a, you know, a Nazi and all these things? You can't, if you work for him, we're gonna torture you. If you let him work for you, we'll torture you. They, they've done that. They did that quite a few times for people I, I did have business relationships with. Um, and so uh, I was out on my own and, and I decided I would take up crowdfunding. I would use YouTube. Uh, to promote a crowdfunded campaign for a comic book and what better than Cyberfrog, especially since Cyberfrog represented what, where my brain was at, where my heart was at when I loved comics as a youth, when I was 19, 20, 21 years old. He represented when comic books were fun and irresponsible mm -hmm. and bigger than life. Uh, and then he literally went and figuratively went to sleep for 20 years. And now I was going to wake him up and bring him back uh, you know, using crowdfunding. So I, I love this idea that, um, I, I created this idea that in 2000, I mean, in 1998, which is when I began to work for DC comics, an invasion of alien hornets arrived, uh, that effectively put Cyberfrog to sleep. They, uh, they nearly killed him, uh, and put him into a, a coma where he slept in restorative hibernation for 20 years only to be awakened in 2018 to a world that was that had been conquered by these alien hornets uh, it was his job to stop it he failed to do it because he just wasn't paying attention um it's uh it's an allegory obviously yes and uh i you know i started to notice i started to become politically aware in 1998 on august 16th of 1998 when bill clinton came out and had to confess that he had lied uh, to the american people uh, and then i started to notice that people change and when they were talking about politics the left all all the people i was surrounded with started to call everyone a liar all the time everybody was lying all the time uh, uh, george bush lied people died in other words, he wasn't just wrong. He didn't just make a mistake. We don't just disagree with him. He knowingly lied. All of this was meant to cover up the shame of uh, Bill Clinton and you know all of this stuff, I believe, to just 
assign that word to. Uh, to me, it sounded like buzzing. <laughs> it sounded like just bzzz, just angry buzzing uh, from the left. Uh, and that's uh, that's what the uh, the Vespas kind of represent to me. They represent this invasion that uh, would eventually take over and undo everything that we built, everything that people worked so hard to build uh, over the uh, uh, existence of humanity. Uh, they they paper it over with ugliness, and uh, that's that's what the Vespas did. And Cyberfrog uh, has awakened now, and that's what the story is: a wrecked planet, Cyberfrog wrecked planet. Uh, by the way, because we, we, we raised $1.45 million, uh, to make this comic book. That's why it looks like, uh, looks like a car that Andrew Tate would wow. drive, doesn't it? It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, really, really, uh, nice. Uh, and I was able to just get in there and just produce like some of the most detailed, beautiful artwork and storytelling, um, to, um, begin to tell this epic saga of waking up into the world. Uh, that that has been taken over by these aliens, and you're you know somebody who is uh, special. Uh, you're obviously you know you're a frog with some powers, uh, and uh, your job is to try to rebuild. And how do you do that? Uh, how do you how do you do that? In how do you begin to do that when the entire world has been taken over and most humans have been killed? Uh, that's what the story is about. Um, and I, I worked hard on this book. I worked. I, I spent two years writing and drawing this issue. It's uh, extra sized. Uh, and it's received some wonderful reviews. I'm, I'm very grateful for that. I'm crowdfunding Cyberfrog 3, the third part, Red Extermination. This is just going to go on and on, I hope, you know. Um, but Cyber, Yeah, I, I just, I'll never run out of stories to tell. It's a long saga. Um, but uh, Cyberfrog 2 and Cyberfrog 1 and also Cyberfrog 3 available on Indiegogo. Look up Cyberfrog 3, Red Extermination, and you can help make this happen. See? The thing about it is, is that they can't stop us. Uh, you know, right. the, the SJWs really can't stop us. These activists can't stop us as long as we have supporters who are willing to support crowdfunding. Uh, you can go and say, I'm going to give you $25 and I'll say, great, thank you. I'll send you one of these when it's finished. And that's what crowdfunding is. We don't have to have financing uh, from BlackRock or anything like that. We can do this as a community and we can begin to tell our own stories. And that's what this is. I mean, I, I feel like if we're ever going to get the culture back, now is the time where we have to begin to create and craft our own stories. Uh, it's not about so much the parallel economy is interesting, but there is nothing more powerful than story. There's nothing more powerful, nothing more important than story. Think about the things that have lived uh, for hundreds and hundreds of years of human civilization. It has always been stories. Uh, and uh, passed on from uh, word of mouth from ear to ear. Uh, generations uh, of human beings have shared stories with each other that uh, we've treasured and have been important. And either we're going to get off our rear ends and start creating some new ones um, that uh, aren't completely poisoned uh, by leftist dogma, or uh, we're going to lose the culture war. I, you know, you beat me to it because I was just about to ask you about Cyberfog 3 Red Extermination. But I'm going to bring in DK because we have one last question for you. Okay. Hey, DK. <laughs> oh, sorry. I was just dusting off my <laughs> Wonder Woman. My he Wonder always Woman. brings out his toys. He always one-ups me with his <laughs> toy collection. Oh, well, you guys, you guys were pretty thorough. I have a lot of questions, actually, but I'm going to save them for when 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 we're able to get you back on the show, we're which have I hope to have will be you back. soon. Oh, I'd love to. Um, 
So I just, I'll just wrap it up. You guys were great. It was terrific listening to you. Thanks. Uh, Ethan, tell us where our listeners can follow you and follow your work online. Please subscribe to Comic Artist Pro. That's one word, Comic Artist Pro. Secrets, another word. Uh, on live streaming, I'm going to start making videos again about making comics, about Cyberfrog, uh, and uh, really try to help people to learn uh, more about the comic book scene, uh, what's going on in the culture, uh, and also perhaps teach us uh, some quick lessons on how to draw. So uh, I think that's the best way to do it. Um, and then, yeah, look me up on uh, on Indiegogo. That's my preferred platform to um, to fund and sell my comic books. That's pretty cool. Well, if you're just joining us, our guest this segment has been Ethan Van Skyver. It's been great to have you. I do hope you will come back, and I hope everybody will go and check out Cyberfrog 3 Red Extermination. Thank you very much. And now is the point where DK and I have our little conversation. DK, what do you want to talk about today? Oh, well, you guys were a very fascinating interview. I really like listening to what he had to say. And one thing I want to hit upon with him later when we have him back on the show is the possibility of um, Cyberfrog being showed in different mediums, you know. Um, I would like to see a Cyberfrog animate, animated show maybe, or I think... I think there's possibly a cyberfrog video games. It'll be an interesting discussion. So we'll save that for next time. All right. Well, there you have it from the man himself. This is Marie signing off from Studio C, reminding you to go to acons.substack.com. There you'll find all of our commentary, all of our social media profiles, and links to this podcast, which we hope you will support and subscribe to. So I'm out. Okay, have a great day. Thank you for listening to this episode of African American Conservatives, the soul of the conservative movement. You can find us online at acons.substack.com, anchor.fm forward slash A-A-C-O-N-S. And also you can support our work at anchor.fm forward slash A-A-C-O-N-S forward slash support.